Hey everyone, welcome to Marketing for Designers podcast. I'm your host, Masha Coin, a messaging strategist and a copywriter for the interior design industry. I've been marketing for what feels like forever in my past career at some of the biggest global firms like KPMG and Deloitte. Today, I write website copy for designers using my signature voice of customer framework. If you're a designer looking to up your marketing game and attract premium clients, this podcast is for you. Each week on the show, we're going to be talking all things marketing, from branding to messaging to social media, SEO, and so much more, so you can have all the tools you need to grow your business and attract your dream clients. Hey guys, welcome back to Marketing for Designers podcast. As you know, each week I bring you either a marketing expert, an interior designer, or it's just you and I. Today, we're chatting with a designer. I'm so excited for this conversation because not only I'm chatting with an incredible interior designer who's got a strong marketing game, but also a client of mine whose website copy I worked on. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest. I'm chatting with Eva Healy. Don't call her Eva. She's Eva. She's a founder and principal designer of Avenue Design, an award-winning full-service interior design firm known for creating luxe, deeply layered, and irresistibly livable spaces. She manages an all-female team that combine everything you need under one roof to run a successful design and build project that always, always stays on track because Eva is a process queen. So welcome to the (laughs) show, Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be part of this. Me too. You're the, I was just telling you, you are the first designer on this podcast, which is so awesome. Such an honor. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, um... I would love to start with your story. If you could share with my audience, how did you become a designer? Well, I think a lot of people have the same uh, story. I was always artistic. I was always um, prone to being a very creative child. Um, but I also grew up in an Eastern European household where being a doctor or a lawyer was really the way to go. <laughs> the only way to go. <laughs> right. Uh, both my parents were pharmacists, so they were, you know, pursuing, you know, being doctors at one point and then switched over to, to pharmacy. So um, it, it was never on my mind to do anything on the creative end to a certain degree because I was always told that that would not make any money. Mm-hmm. Um I did, however, pursue, you know, uh, art as a hobby throughout high school. And then going into university, I was looking, and I'm aging myself here, um, looking through uh, catalogs at that time of universities. And I was like, what the hell am I going to do with my life? Decided to go to York, um, did an undergrad in um, uh, double majors in law and society, uh, law and society and psychology, thinking I was going to be a lawyer. Uh, or a psychologist of some sort, um, love studying it, did not see myself doing either. And I did, uh, in my first year, I did some art courses thinking, okay, maybe I can do a minor in art or something. And didn't didn't love that either because it was more just, you know, uh, nudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was fellow students that I then would see in a lecture hall and be like, I saw you naked. That was weird. <laughs> I just I was lost so I think third year I was like you know what this is not the path I appreciate everything that I've learned but I do need to switch tactics here and figure out what the heck I want to do with my life and uh, going back to flipping through those catalogs back in uh, high school I remember seeing um, interior design and thinking 
Hey, that's really freaking cool. I would love to do that as a, as a career. And I think at the time, I don't know if I saw an ad that made me remember that or what, but I ended up looking into different schools and um, because I had just already done a four-year um, degree, I didn't really want to do another four-year degree. So I ended up going to a private college um, and that private college was an accelerated uh, two-year diploma at the time, which I don't think exists anymore. I kind of slid, slid right in uh, under the regulations that are now degrees, uh, four-year oh, degrees. Oh, what, what is, do you need like four years now? I think you need four years for, yeah, an interior design degree now. Um, I think you can get a three-year diploma of some sort. I think decorating shorter design is longer. I don't know what the newest regulations are, but I know that most of my staff uh, that I hire uh, do four-year degrees. Um, so yeah, so I got lucky, but I also had very uh, much sleepless nights for for a year and a half, but loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Was like, wow, this is it. Um, my dad, especially, was not a huge fan. Uh, the idea, what do you mean? We just spent all this money on your degree. What do you mean you're not going to be a lawyer or a psychologist? Um, and now he's laughing because <laughs> you know things have changed. Um, so yeah, I think it was a great um, learning curve to find myself. And I think a lot of um, kids these days, especially starting university or college earlier than even I did because I still did OAC back in the day. Um, oh my God, it, me too. Yeah, and, and nobody knows what the heck that is. No. <laughs> I don't know that. if I remember. I know, right? So you did have an extra year, but now now they, they have even less and it's really, I, I have no idea how people- I have a 16 year old who's going to right? grade 12 and that's last year. That's crazy, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Jamie. And I wouldn't have known, I, I really wouldn't have known at the time what the heck I wanted to do. So uh, kudos to the people that do go into what they want to do and stick to it. Uh, they made a good choice, but mine was, um, you know, a little bit more of a, a larger loop to get to where I wanted to be. And yeah, and, and graduated, took a little bit of a break because I was very burnt out. I uh, waitressed and bartended throughout uh, uh, college as well to, you know, not only pay the bills, uh, for schooling that my parents decided not to uh, support me in as much because, mm -hmm. <laughs> because of the fact they supported my university um, pursuit. So yeah, ended up working throughout it all and uh, ended up finding um, employment with a couple of design firms, really learned the ropes, never wanted to own my own business. Somehow got so the right momentum and it kind of snowballed into the right thing. And now I can't imagine, you know, doing anything else. So and not it, owning your own business. No, right? right? Like it's just the weirdest thing. And it's uh, again, it, it, I think this whole journey really brought me to where I was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. uh, so you you don't necessarily know where the heck you're going to end up sometimes, but you just kind of trust the process, and things have a way of working out. I love it. Whatever happens, happens for a reason. I I agree with that. Definitely believe uh, believe in that. That's awesome. What a story. So that's pretty amazing uh, going from psychology and law into interior design. That's awesome. And I think we all need sometimes like I'm making my son right now like, well, you have to know what you want to do in university. But I'm like, do you really think you can take a couple of years to kind of figure it out? So it's all good. So that's amazing. Let's talk marketing now. Before we get into it, I just want to say there is some pretty impressive stuff that I was able, that, that I was able to dig up on you and your firm. So it sounds like you've got a presence, what feels like everywhere. You're, you've got a professionally designed and written website. You're showing up on House, Pinterest, TikTok as of recently. 
Instagram with 30,000 followers, which is crazy impressive. And you were published in publications like Style at Home, House at Home, Our Home, 66, Toronto Star, Luxury Listed. And you were recently named top 100 designers in Canada by House and Homes. I probably missed a whole bunch of other publications and features, but it's you've got a lot going on, lady. Uh, but it's your Instagram posts and stories that I'm just completely obsessed with because you're just so real there. And so if anybody is not following Eva, you should. Her handle is Avenue Design Inc. So your content is kind of like a mixture of funny memes, reels, like join me on the job and walk through of client sites, really fun and catchy videos showcasing your work. What seems like always, always professional photography. And a lot of photos of you. Did I did I get that right? Or did I miss anything? No, I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a, a good mix, which I, I, I hope resonates and, and comes through because I don't want it to be a stagnant page where, you know, it's just pretty pictures because I don't think that you get to understand the person, the team, the everything mm -hmm. behind the pictures because there are a lot of designers out there and um i think that's that's really what i'm trying to achieve so it sounds like it was an intentional way to create that positioning or or kind of like visibility or presence on your instagram tell me what's the main goal of your marketing or what does your marketing strategy look like for for mm -hmm. your firm yeah, I think, um, you know, when I first started out, uh, as as many even people that are, are very well established in the industry, I just felt stupid about showing my face, talking, doing anything on, on camera and on social media, because it was also somewhat new to the scene as well, because I, I think Instagram, I've been doing the longest. Mm -hmm. um, and you just have to get over yourself. Um, my biggest thing was, and it's actually, I think something my mom, my, my mom, you know, she's always right somehow. <laughs> no. <laughs> so if it was like a, a mom thing, oh, you're so pretty. You should just like show yourself more and blah, blah, blah. Or if it actually knew what she was talking about. But at the time she said, show more of yourself because, you know, your, your stuff is great, but like show your face, show them like what you do and talk and talk and talk. And so I started and I felt dumb the, you know, uh, first bunch of times as most people come up to me and can't do it. I just feel so dumb. I sound so stupid. I hate the sound of my voice. Um, but I made I made a big um, kind of conscious decision to show people not only what I can do, but who I am. Because I think at the end of the day, oh, I got flowers from my hubby. Thank you. Oh, my God. Um, Lucky girl. Is happy Thursday to me. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was uh, really important to have that sort of uh, connection with um, my my potential clients, my my followers, my you know people that that want to learn, my my fellow industry peers um, to learn not only about you know how we came to be to this beautiful glossy after but also the process the journey the the things that we might have messed up on because it's real life and sometimes on tv uh you know you see everything going right and being on budget and all these things um that's not real life uh i really wanted to resonate with um everybody to say i'm a real person this is not some sort of edited you know version of myself um the memes started because sometimes i have nothing to say <laughs> those are the best though i'm like every time yeah. i see me i'm like are we the same person 
I know. I get that a lot. It's pretty funny. And it's funny because there's a very select tone that I seem to resonate with, which I think mm -hmm. is what you're referring to. Yeah. Um, that that tone sometimes other people will send me something that they think is funny that I think that they think I will think is funny. And I'm like, it's funny, but that's not like right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's so, so I don't know. There's something about like the things that I curate <laughs> for And it resonates, right? I bet if you look at your analytics, and I don't know if you do, but I bet like those are those get probably the highest engagement or the highest views or whatever that is. Yeah, for sure. And it's it's funny. And again, it's just it's just comic relief to sometimes stressful days, um, mm -hmm. boring days, uh, or days where we we are working on some really, really cool stuff, but I can't necessarily show all our cards. Uh, because we do have a lot of clients watching. Um, there's, a, there's a project right now that we're working on that I had to really keep under wraps because the client uh, does follow us. And we we were doing some really, really cool stuff. And I really didn't want to show all my cards. And so... Like was, before you presented to them. Yes, right? exactly. We were doing a presentation and it was a full team all in everybody was just getting things done because there was a bit of a tight deadline to it as well and I had nothing to say and nothing to show because it was all <laughs> one project um and gearing up to this deadline so there's a lot of memes <laughs> <laughs> that's cool so now I know what happens when there's a lot of memes <laughs> like, exactly. so we're gonna have some important clients that she can't share yeah. yet <laughs> that's awesome yeah, and then and then I think, again, just showing um, everyday life, uh, showing behind the scenes is always fun because it, it, it also just shows, again, the process of, of uh, all the different aspects of this industry and what we work on. Um, because I think, again, a lot of people think it's this glamorous job and we get to, you know, wear beautiful clothes and go to these cool events and spend all this money. But um, yes, <laughs> so, but also, especially the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I know, it's been great. Uh, but also, there is there is a lot of um, uh, you know times where we're schlepping, we're uh, tired, we're drained, we're not in the best of moods just because we we're stressed out. So yeah, those are those are kind of the moments that you also need to show my staff, especially because I push them. <laughs> I lot. like that. I like that. Um, when it comes to Instagram specifically, how would you describe what you do and how you show up there? Do you have, do you have like, you know, the idea of content pillars, for example, all the stuff that you show, are there, is there a specific strategy that you align to? There's like, I don't know, 20% of my content is going to be showing behind the scenes. 20% of my work is going to be showing the final work. Is there something like that or it's more intuitive? I would want to say it's the first one because that makes me sound really smart <laughs> but also intuitively i think yeah i think there there has to be a good mix and uh it, it also depends on what i've got going and what i have um uh in in my vault of of um stuff that i do want to uh either show at a later date or i have a lot of the same project content and i don't want to overwhelm uh the you know the, the the page with with just the one project so it depends on my mood that day depends on um i think my grid i i did do um a seminar years and years ago where they were talking about the the instagram grid especially and the the squares that you see and then that there should be a percentage of you know overall pictures uh close-ups mm -hmm. uh, lifestyle content type of stuff you so I think that resonated um, to a certain degree and I've kept that uh, bit of a balance going so that um, 
you get a little bit of everything. And 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 I do find that uh, you know, pictures of me somehow do really well. So I just always I'm finding the exact same thing. I don't know what is it about it, but I think it's, you know, letting your audience get to know you. And usually when you post a photo, it's there's always some type of story or like an anecdote or something. And people feel like, you know, I guess it's connecting. I would say this is why. Yeah. I think that's the same thing. I think it's it's the connection there, and and that's that's uh, you kind of hit it uh, right on the head. Is is I don't want to just be like, hello, uh, with my caption. Like, there's always going to be some sort of anecdote with that caption, or some sort of interesting tidbit for for people to read about, so that it's not just you know, uh, selfie. <laughs> or that's whatever. right. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, I'm curious. You've got thirty thousand plus followers. That's amazing it's very impressive how did you reach such an impressive following do you know what was what was the key to that what was i think time well time for me because again i i think i've i've i I should probably look back at it but i think i've been doing this for a good 10 years um Mm -hmm. um it it wasn't as big before it was you know there was there was moments where people knew about instagram but weren't using it for business purposes it was more uh, personal i think i i made a conscious decision to uh definitely uh pursue more of the business end of it i had a personal page at one point and that that went down the wayside so now this is why i kind of interspersed some family stuff in there as well um but yeah i think i think it was a conscious decision to um follow the Instagram path because it just, it seemed like everybody was on it. Why, why not capitalize on the fact that this is a, a great um, platform for people to be browsing, to be uh, educating themselves, to be finding funny memes, uh, all the things. And I can sprinkle in a little bit of business there and see if there's, you know, an opportunity to find a new client or, um, a supporter of some sort. I network often. I find new products all the time. So there was definitely a um, conscious decision there to say, okay, if I'm going to do this, I, it, it is a full-time job. It's it's mm-hmm. definitely um, dedication. It's a lot of hours. Uh, you know, I often get asked if if I'm the one managing the uh, the account. Yes, I am. Every single thing that's that's oh, done. that's good to know. Yeah, everything single, and I've I've you know. Uh, and we'll discuss this as well is there's there's definitely opportunities to outsource where you don't uh specialize in certain areas we're all professionals and specialists in our own fields and um you know there's definitely areas where i'm like you know there's there's no point in me investing my time to do it better but for instagram i just feel that because it's such a personal thing and there are these um areas of of personal touches that it wouldn't come across if i had uh hired somebody to do that but yeah, I think I think for me, the marketing strategy has really been to uh, reach different um, different uh, pockets of people, uh, trades and, and kind of industry peers alike, um, people that just enjoy my content and are local, um, people that uh, might be potential clients and, and now understands what I can do and, and kind of follow me close, closely. It might not be the exact moment where they can or will hire me, but they'll remember me by me continuously posting. Um, so yeah, I think it was a, a good choice back in mm-hmm. the day. Uh, but I don't know if there was anything that really set me apart um, at the beginning 
I did feel that there was a very slow climb from zero to 5,000, let's say. It is a very slow climb because who the heck are you and like, why should I follow you when you have so many? Because like, it is, it is as kind of snobby as it sounds, it, there is a certain, um, I don't know, look about when somebody sees your page and like, oh, they've only got like 1,500 followers. Oh, like, what do they what do they know people make assumptions and a bit of a judgment yeah and it's not and it's not by any means um sometimes valid it's just that's just the way of the world oh like who are you know nothing because you know so it it was a steady and slow climb to Mm -hmm. get a certain amount and then i think it ended up being a little bit more organic and a little bit uh, more uh easy to get just organically followers, more followers, uh, more regularly, uh, which then ended up kind of snowballing. And, and there were uh, viral times where I would just boom and have a bunch of followers and then I would kind of drop off again. So it just, yeah, it's it's time, I think. Um, now it's different. We were just talking about the algorithm and all the different, uh, you know, underlying things that um, can make or break your follower count or just your content in, in general. So now I have no idea what the heck to do. Yeah. I'm staying consistent because I feel like that's the only thing you can do is is that consistency, um, keeping everybody uh, entertained and being top of mind because you just never know who's going to resonate with your um, message that day or picture that day. And, it, and I often find things at just the right moment. I w- would have maybe scrolled past whatever that was, but I'm actually looking for that. And oh my, oh my God, yes, that's exactly what I need. Or I didn't know I was looking for this, but this is so amazing. So I think it's not so good. I wonder what's, I'm curious, what's, what stops your scroll personally for uh, it you? It really depends on what's going on. Like, again, it's just, it really depends on what's going on that day in my life. You know, I think that there's definitely, if you look at like my, my for you page or whatever, you'll see a, a huge variety of different things that I'm into from, you know, like nail inspo, what am I going to do for my nails the next time around to, you know, fitness to interior design, obviously, uh, fashion, like anything and everything. Um, but I don't know things just seem to somehow resonate. Like today I was looking at, um, at some stories of people I follow and they had a couple of links or, or they re um, um, posted like reshared or yeah, like a reel that in their story. And I clicked on that thing and I was like, oh my God, this is exactly what I've been looking for. And it was just totally by chance, by this, by that, that I was like, I didn't even know to look for it, but this is exactly what I've been looking for. And then it kind of gets you into this, like, uh, you know, s- snowball of, um, and rabbit hole of rabbit hole yeah i was just thinking rabbit hole rabbit hole of hours being like oh this is so cool and then you click on something that they shared and then all of a sudden yeah and then you lose hours of of your day and and you know then people are like oh my god you spent so much time on your phone today well yeah but i often i often say it's you know it's it's, it's networking it's researching it's all the things that's cool um I wonder what percentage of clients come from instagram you know what uh you'd be surprised and i'm often surprised quite a large amount. I would say really? right now there's uh, maybe 50% um, of my clients are when I ask. 50%? Yeah, which is craziness. It is it's, crazy. It's not as, you know, scientific number. I, I'm totally kind of eyeballing it, but yeah, that it's, it's crazy. There, there's two big streams for me in terms of new clientele and Instagram seems to 
top top the uh the stream these days so second referral uh no house well referrals are always good but so referrals you just don't know who knows people and who when people need stuff so i often get referrals but do they lead to the, the most amount closing yeah it's not necessarily um houses is, is the next big one i would say and even with that one that used to be my biggest one but with that one i now don't really fully know if it's a house referral or if it's um if because they often go to my page where it has like a contact us page uh the house people so mm -hmm. sometimes get the house like message from the house app but I often get the contact us thing on my website and mm -hmm. we've now very smartly added a little window into my um, new website that I refreshed to say, how did you find out about us? Because as much as I try to ask that question every single time, I often don't. And then people are like, Oh, how did she get that client? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but when no, I sometimes they don't remember because yeah. they first yeah. started in a house and then they made a gone to a bunch of different places yeah so referrals are huge absolutely and referrals aren't necessarily only from previous clients but again it's like industry it's in mm -hmm. uh trades and, and and people that i've connected with or worked with in the past um so it really depends on on where it comes from but i would say those are my obviously three biggest ones that's very interesting i wonder what marketing strategies have you found the most effective in growing your business and why uh, marketing strategy, strategies that are the most effective to me right now and that I can pinpoint from, because again, sometimes it just has no rhyme or reason, um, has actually been, been a lot uh, stemming from some of the messaging that you've been putting out there. I think it's really um, pinpointing who you want your target audience to be, who you want your target clientele to be, because at the end of the day, it is, it is the business and the business needs to have clients and make money. Um, so uh, I think my biggest pivot in the recent years has been understanding who I want to target, who I want to portray myself as and my and my business as so that the uh, energy I am expanding and and all the efforts that I'm making are towards the right kind of clientele and people so that again, it's, it's just resonating with the right amount of people uh in in the, the the circles that i wanted to i love that um why was it important to you to get clear on that messaging to get clear on your x factor i honestly think that um a lot of people are spinning their wheels they're not um again focusing on the right messaging the right people they think okay well i just need to stay busy i need to oftentimes what what happens when we have discussions with fellow designers and friends of ours is oh my god these clients i keep getting these clients that are high maintenance or low budget and they expect everything and they want everything and what's what the heck like why do i keep getting these clients and oftentimes i learned in the recent months or years i guess is that Oftentimes it's because those are the circles that your current clients are in. And so the new clients are seeing what you're working on and therefore saying, oh, I have a similar whatever. Mm -hmm. And I want, I need that. Oh, she seems great. This is awesome. So by kind of mentally focusing on what and, and discovering what I want to, where I want to be and what I want to do with the business, I was able to focus on the type of clientele that I wanted, the type of 
projects that I wanted. I also had to be very, very um, cognizant of the fact that saying no is okay. Very scary, especially when you own a business and you want to grow that business. And well, I'm not going to be busy if I say no to these people. It's a good filler. It'll be quick. It'll be that. We all know that the quick and cheap kind of uh, projects that you think are just going to be quick and oh, it'll just fill the gaps and for the next one are the ones that will give you the most headaches. They're the are without a doubt going to be the most involved type of clientele and the most amount of revisions and the most demanding. And it's not it's not that they're bad people. It's just again the, the I think what it what it ends up being is the the high profile projects, the the very large budgets. If you if you think about the percentage of the budget um, in comparison to their net worth, let's say, uh, versus these smaller projects that are also, you know, high budget for these particular people, but their net worth is that much lower. It's a much bigger project in their eyes because this is a lot of money to them. Whereas these clients that have very unlimited funds uh, for the most part, it's they're too busy. They don't want to take care of anything. They hired you for a reason. You're doing it. I know it's going to be expensive, but it's that the, that same mentality that I'm taking uh, really personally right now is I'm too busy and I would rather focus on the thing that I'm good at and outsource the things that I'm not. And I'm going to trust that person to just do it and not micromanage. And I think that's what really um, made me aware that I was doing, I, I was trying to learn from every experience, every client, every, you know, uh, headache of, of any sort that we had within um, our projects. What are we doing to get these clients? Mm -hmm. Why do we getting uh, you know, that one-off client here and there that, and then that's also just natural that you're always going to, there's a small percentage of, of clientele that you're going to be like, oh, damn it, I didn't know. And I, why? Um, but really it was for me understanding how I can uh, mitigate and how I can minimize um, having these really needy micromanaging, second guessing clients. Less trusting clients. Yes. And, and, and again, they're lovely people, but like the, you know, it's just making it that much harder and, and they're always happy at the end, but the process was just that much longer. And within that, obviously, because the process is that much longer, you're not making any money because mm -hmm. you did them a favor. You just wanted that filler. You charged a little less because you weren't that busy, whatever. Um, or you just, you, you charge what you regularly would charge and soon realize that you didn't charge enough. So now is the time to really um, think through all the different aspects of the things that don't work to figure out the things that can work uh, going forward. And saying no was the very first step. Okay. I know, and, and there's always red flags. Um, okay. I know going forward that we don't want to do just a kitchen or a bathroom because that has now become a thing that we know is just, it, it's too much work for not enough whatever gain. Mm -hmm. uh, then we went into, okay, well, we don't want to just do a main floor reno. We now want to get into, you know, higher profile uh, projects. So let's just do either if we do a main floor reno, it has to be a bigger budget. So I think through, through that self-discovery, there was marketing that kind of evolved um, to a certain degree to, to what extent I could do um, and, and understand all these aspects. But then it was hiring people such as yourself that also made me 
um, reflect a little bit more on, well, yeah, like what, what makes me different? Why would somebody want to hire me? There's a lot of designers out there. There's beautiful, you know, after images of all these beautiful projects. Great. So, so you can do really nice stuff. So, so what, what is that secret sauce as you call it? So mm -hmm. really understanding that as well and understanding what makes us different and what makes us tick and why, why you have to hire us rather than just like, oh yeah, she's cool. Uh, what makes us more memorable that I think has really upped the marketing game for us and has, um, you know, taken us to a, a higher level that I'm I'm really happy we're, we're kind of scaling towards uh, where I want to be. I love that. I love that. And I love that you've got the clarity on your differentiator. I'm curious, where do you use it now? Like now what? Like now that you, you've got this clarity on the secret sauce, the thing that you bring to the table. What, what do you do with that now? Um, I think onwards and upwards. I think I'm just going to, again, just uh, take all the knowledge that I'm gaining. And, and again, it's it's a, it's an ever-evolving um, spiral <laughs> of uh, what works, what mm -hmm. doesn't. Um, seeing all the um, positive benefits of sticking to my guns and sticking to the messaging that I know will propel me into the echelon that I want to be in, in terms of clientele is, is, um, a, a really good positive affirmation for I'm doing something right because the leads that are coming in by saying no, by highlighting the things that do make us different in, in terms of our, our, uh, content, in terms of our branding and strategy and all the things the the leads that are now coming in are on par. Well, I still get the ones that I say, like just automatically nicely, but mm -hmm. automatically, I'm so sorry. That's yep. not part of our scope. And I was actually told by a client uh, slash mentor back in the day um, uh, that, you know, by saying no, don't say sorry. It's just not, it's just a very, it's not rude to say, this isn't what we do. And that is a very mm -hmm. important message for everybody to learn is that you're not sorry for not doing that you do this this is your specialty so by putting that in out into the world you're creating opportunities because if you keep saying yes to the little stuff because you're scared you're never going to have time for the big stuff what if that big thing comes along and now you're too bogged down with all this crap small stuff mm -hmm. and you you don't have the capacity to take that on so that's such a good advice i love that could you describe a particular marketing campaign or an effort that you took on that you consider the most significant, like a, like a needle moving kind of project or a thing that you did or implemented in your business? Was there one thing or maybe there was a series of things? Yeah, I don't think it was one thing. Like I, I was trying to think back on, on what, again, kind of tipped us over to going from this to that, there really, I don't think was, was a, a tipping point. I think it was just a culmination of doing all the right things. I think absolutely people sometimes get really lucky. And I think that was my, my initial introduction into interior design and going out on my own. My tipping point was um, that I ended up working with a client who then introduced me to all his friends who then introduced me to like his neighborhood and I did all the houses. And, but this was like, like literally the first or second year of me being out on my own. 
and or even working for somebody else and kind of doing this on the side, which was why I decided to go out on my own. Um, so I think that there was a, an early on tipping point for me as to say, hey, I'm actually good at this. I'm actually able to sustain a, a regular paycheck, which is a very um, sometimes important thing. Um, well, always important thing, but sometimes um, hard thing to do when you're first starting out in the industry is, is having that stability of either I'm, wow, I'm rich or wow, I have nothing. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Having a nest egg and, and knowing that um, you have to be conservative uh, with when times are great um, so that when they're not, uh, you, you don't have to worry. Um, and with COVID, I think a lot of designers um, blew up and everything was going so well and all these things and oh my God, all these clients, it's never going to end. We're now seeing a backlash to that because there are a lot of uh, designers that started out really, really strong because it was COVID and demand was high and that is dropping off. And now all of a sudden there isn't as much work and oh my goodness, I, I really have to work that much harder to get my name out there and get that, that business. So um, for me, it was just keeping consistent, keeping um, again, that brand um, messaging um, consistent so that we are there. And when you need us, you know where to find us and um, being top of mind is really important because again i think sometimes just like me i can scroll through that same message or same person or whatever many a time and it isn't until i actually need that thing that all of a sudden it really resonates and, and i'm like wait i need to stop and mm -hmm. get further into this so i think it's just uh upping the chances of being seen by being consistent by being um uh, prolific and 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 being out there often um, in whatever capacity it, you know maybe memes aren't your thing and again it's that was just kind of a, a thing that that happened because COVID because of every, of everything but um, for me it's it's you know getting a laugh out of somebody is is sometimes just as powerful as um, showing this beautiful penthouse that we're working on. Mm -hmm. so, maybe that's i think where the consistency and the the like slow climb has has really helped is is again being top of mind and i think a lot of people do that often with um with newsletters and blogs and things like that is where you get subscribers and and again it might not be that um somebody that's reading these things is is necessarily relating to them right now but all of a sudden they'll be like oh yeah i remember i ever wrote that thing and it's now wow i need that so where was it and you go back. Yeah, it's a long term game sometimes with marketing. But I like how you said that you did a series of the right things. Have you ever done anything as far as marketing tactics or strategies that did not work as planned? Or maybe you've experimented and it didn't work as you thought it would? Yeah, I think there's um, there's many different um, avenues of marketing. And for me, what what hasn't worked is print advertising. Um, I've had a lot of people um, follow up uh, over the years or, or approach me over the years saying, oh, uh, buy a page in our magazine, or I even did like a stint in um, The Path, downtown Toronto. They had yeah. like screens and, and advertising, and I don't know how they found me, but they were asking um, if I'd be interested in advertising there. And I was like, oh, wow. So, and, and of course, all this stuff sounds so good. And they're like, oh, the, the amount of people that walk through that path and they're all executives, they're all going to their like, you know, executive jobs downtown Toronto, yada, yada. It's like an underground world, whoever doesn't know what it is, like an underground <laughs> world that's that connects all the business buildings in, in Toronto. The core, yeah, the core of downtown. Yeah. 
usually the executives and and all the 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 you know high rise stuff buildings. Um, so yeah, so I thought, oh my goodness, that's so great, and and it was a lot of money. Like I I don't remember exactly how much it was, but it was thousands for for this particular thing. And I thought, oh my goodness, this is going to bring so much business. Nothing. And yeah, like magazines where they're like, oh, you know, our subscribers and our members are going to see your uh, ad and as they're flipping through the magazine, nothing. And sometimes you can't really measure that because you don't know, again, whether it, a lead comes from them seeing you there or seeing you there. And sometimes it is a bit more organic, but I've just learned that for me, I don't think it's ever worked. And and I think I, I gave it a good try, like at least three or four times. And again, it's, this is thousands of dollars where at a time where um, I was like, well, I might as well take a chance because you just don't know. And by the like third or fourth time, I'm like, nah, this isn't working. And, you know, again, I've, I've been approached by very recently many um, kind of more top tier magazines and things. And of course, this is this is more of you know sales pitch. Oh yeah, you're so awesome! Like advertise with our uh, yeah uh, magazine or whatever it is, and you'll be seen. And like it's such an honor. And I'm just like, it doesn't work. And if we try to you know turn it, oh of course it works. You just haven't tried the right you know whatever. No, no, it doesn't work. So I've just I like that you know that it doesn't work. I like that you've tried it, and it's not like the one time that you tried, but you tried it a couple of times. And and I think for you it doesn't work. I feel like because it's so top of funnel, like it's for people that don't know you, that you have no brand awareness with those people. You are all about making that human connection. And Instagram is, I feel like, where you do that so well. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, it, again, it, it just, and even going back to house where um, a lot of designers say that house does not work for them. I heard that before. They're they're very much against it. There, there, went, um, there was a bit of a... A backlash at one point um, because there was a change in the house platform and the way that they were kind of obviously again trying to make money because everybody tries to make money somehow and they were taking designer pictures and um, kind of cross-referencing product that wasn't uh, necessarily the product used but it looked like it so that they could make a sale and yada yada so you could purchase through the house um, you know platform mm -hmm. so a lot of designers thought well that's sucks because you're you're making money off of my image but i'm not making any money on these products that you're now trying to sell that are in my image which i totally get and, and i i agree to a certain degree but also i'm also getting the uh, you know the recognition and the the viewership from them being such a big platform that if people were googling let's say oakville designer or whatever designer I would be popping up because it was such a big platform. And that's kind of what, what stuck with me is they can make their money. I'm also making money on their money. There's <laughs> enough, you know, there's enough, enough for everyone. So a lot of people, and even, even very recently, somebody said, Oh yeah, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of new things. Uh, an industry peer, another designer was saying, I'm trying to think of new things to do to, you know, advertise, whatever. I remember you saying house and and remind me again what's what's going on because I tried it and and or I've heard people try and it, it really doesn't work and um yeah it just it, I don't know what I did differently or again if it was just luck of the draw and I seem to have gotten uh in to the right uh you know bubble I don't I have no idea but it, it definitely works for me and again it, it didn't work for others so maybe what didn't work for me in magazines has worked for others in, in the past. So who the heck knows? But yeah, I'm 
for the most part, I try not to, I've gotten lucky enough where I don't have to pay as much for my marketing. It's, it is all organic mm-hmm. organic, and I feel like that's the most authentic. Um, doing collabs is also uh, something that I've gotten into recently well, in the last couple of years uh, anyway. Like with vendors and partners? Yeah, and- vendors and partners. And, and you know, there's there's those kids on TikTok that make millions on this stuff and never have to work a day in their life work, a day of, in, their mm-hmm. life in terms of like office work. Um, I'm definitely nowhere near that, but it is fun to um, have have that new kind of revenue stream in terms of um, of using my platform and, and my followers and my name and my brand um, to uh, partner up with other brands that um, say something to who I am and what I would use. I, I would never, you know, try to sell something that I don't believe in um, mm-hmm. when you're, uh, you know, at that level where um, people, you know, there's certain people out there that, that are like, well, I make enough money. I'll just say it's great, but it's not great. No, no. Like I, I never want to be that person because then I think people lose trust and, and faith in what you say. Um, everybody that I do partner up with has been, has been awesome and, um, are products that I would use anyways. So why not? <laughs> I like That's a really good one too. It's again, it's that human connection. It's that networking that you do, uh, as, as a natural byproduct of, of, that social media game of of all the events that I go to sometimes it feels like a, a bit of a, a chore oh god I have to go to this thing and mo- most days it's like the day of you're like oh I really don't I was so excited about it the day of, I'm like I'm so tired I just don't want to go mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And you go and you're like yes that was awesome I even if you meet one person that one person that you're like yeah you know I've met a, I ended up catching up with all these people but the, this one thing I think can lead to something else and it again might not be immediate you just never know when that connection happens. It could be years, it could be days, it could be months. You just don't know. So um, that part of the uh, the process is also something that you just have to be patient. Yeah. I like that. And it's also, I feel like it's borrowing someone else's audience. So you're not really relying on your own audience. You're relying on somebody else's. That's why I feel like collaborations work. Yeah, and I think that's, right? that's how- Exposing yourself to a whole bunch of new people. Exactly. And I think that's, again, like you can only get so far using your platform and the people that watch you. It's now, and, and that obviously works to a certain degree, but I think that they're definitely, the next step up is to somehow- Yes, collaborate to branch off to other audiences that you might not be necessarily targeting or a part of, you know, organic whatever reach uh, that all of a sudden will cross into other people's um, lead revenue. And and all of a sudden people are following you that might not have necessarily even known about you or, or would be interested about you. But hey, she seems cool and her work's beautiful. So why not? I like that. Okay. So now that we are wrapping up, actually two more questions. What tips would you offer to new interior designers who are just trying to establish themselves in the industry? Um, I think, uh, you know, standing behind your work, um, being uh, very transparent is is important to everything that I do. Um, obviously, great design. Sorry, that's the first one. It's <laughs> great. Non-negotiable. Non-negotiable. I think, um, you know, there's a lot of really good designers out there, but I think that's where, again, the differentiator is, is are you a great designer and or a great business person? Because it is a business and it is understanding. And I didn't go to school for business. I have no idea when it comes to 
HR to accounting to all the things that are part of a business and when especially when you have staff but but um you know I used to co collect my my receipts in a shoebox and and figure it figure it out later and I've had to obviously um level up over the years because the paperwork was just getting insane um but it's just really understanding the behind the scenes of the business that a lot of people don't necessarily um focus on and that's where things fall apart i can say the same thing you know with contractors you know to, you're a great guy you do awesome stuff i'm never going to work with you again because you you don't invoice you don't uh communicate the emails the this the that for me what makes us really really um uh successful in what we do is we are organized we are process driven um oftentimes when it's just a single person starting out in the industry it's all in your head which is fine but you have to show a level of professionalism with what you do not just the you know the ideas and the creative side but also that you're on top of your invoicing that you're invoicing your clients that you're tracking your time if they ask you a question about a certain task that you've done if you do hourly you can within minutes prove that this is what I did and how long it took me I think when uh you know um and oftentimes this this uh, this has come back to me from clients that have worked with previous designers I ask I say what was it about the, your previous experience that left a bad taste in your mouth or like what what didn't you like about the experience oh the communication oh the the you know the pulling teeth when it came to invoicing oh the extra fees that nobody ever told me about and and I paid so much more than I thought and I didn't feel like there was value for my money. Um, all of these things, again, being a great designer is a is a beautiful platform to start off on, but you do have to have this whole background and um, backstage, I guess, to everything that you do so that you can um, make sure that you're charging what you want and bringing the value of these services in all aspects of uh, your job from start. I love that. Yeah. It get your systems and orders. That's, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Uh, process and systems. Yeah, absolutely. It fall, it all falls apart if you don't have it and, and it all will, again, sometimes you can kind of fake it till you make it, but you get to a certain point where you just can't. And especially if you're again, trying to grow your business, trying to get your name out there and do all these things, um, to, to make yourself successful in this industry, it's all going to fall apart if you don't get all that stuff figured out in the, in on the back end because there will come a time where your creativity and your cool ideas stop short of implementation and and pulling the project through because i i once heard this and i and i think it it really uh, has stuck with me. The clients remember the last ten percent of the project. At the end of the day, you know, it's like having a baby. You you know, you, you love your pregnancy. There's there's all these like pains and things that that are happening. But at the end, you just kind of remember being pregnant and having a baby. And and mm -hmm. yeah, there was some stuff, but I don't remember the stuff. Um, you want that. You want there to be hiccups because that's no normal and natural. You don't want people to remember. Oh yeah, well it was great and I love my house, but I would never do this again because. It took too long it was too expensive it was this it was that it was such a you know disaster for this and that you know or it doesn't feel like me like you know all these things can can be different different um 
uh, issues that come up, but you want your client at the end of the day to not remember that last 10% where they were disgruntled and or broke and or you weren't answering their emails and it took too long. You always want to have that that last positive uh, impact on the project so that, yes, there were things that happened, but she made them better and she fixed them and it's a human process, human mistakes happen, but she stuck through it and as a team pulled through to make this house that we now love and we forget all the bad stuff. It's just beautiful. <laughs> Cause it's not the result only it's the experience too. And that's what, that's what I find when I interview my clients, clients, the interior designers clients, that's what they tell me. You would think that they're going to constantly talk about, cause you know, the reason why I do these interviews is to find out their experience. And you would think that they're going to be like raging about the design and how it looks now, but they end up talking about the things. Well, it was just so much fun. And she was, you know, she was always on top of things. And the things that they tell me is not so much about the design, but how you made them feel and the kind of experience you've created for them. Yeah. Working with them. Those are the lasting memories. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, what, I love it. It's always a tweak. It's always every, every project that we work on, we learn a little something more from so that we can make the next one better. And, and, and obviously we take all the positives of those projects and we're like, yes, we're doing this right. Let's keep doing that. And let's not lose it because that's also something that happens is, is going from one person to multiple people in, a, in an industry, in, in a company, design company, uh, there is a growing pain. There is, um, you know, a big jump from everything's in your head to now delegating. And sometimes that gets diluted and, well, I want to work with you. I don't want to work with that person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's to be a very cohesive team effort where all of your team members are on par with how would be how it would be like working with me personally, because I cannot do all the things anymore. I don't. There's not enough of me to go around with the amount of projects that we now um, have under our belt. But uh, you are in good hands with my team, and the team is is really what makes it as well. I love that. Okay. So a question that I always ask my guests at the end, what's the one thing that you implemented or a practice that you adapted that was a game changer for your business? I would say processes, processes and marketing. Yeah, absolutely. Why am I not surprised that this is a thing for you? <laughs> yeah. Again, I, I, I don't think we would be where we're at. So solely relying on doing cool stuff. Doing cool stuff is definitely what can kind of get people excited but just as we said it's the process it's the the lasting memories of how did we get here that will make this all worthwhile and and you know no matter how good we are with budgets and with timelines and with all these things if we're all running around like crazy and the client senses that um and and knows that there's some sort of like unrest behind the scenes it makes them restless and it makes them second guess things. And that's where the, some some of those kind of uh, clients where uh, all of a sudden, you know, one thing goes wrong and now they're second guessing everything and they're asking all these things um, happens. So if we can nip that in the bud and become really strong at the things that we know are going to be the lasting um, kind of milestones in a project, that is what I think is making us that much more successful in this industry. Love it. Eva, thank you so much for kind of letting us into your business a little bit behind the scenes and for sharing so much of your marketing and how you run your business and about you. Love it. Thank you. No problem. I had a great time. I hope my rambling 
<laughs> oh, you're amazing. You're so real. Uh, I love it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, for sure. And I'm, I'm always happy to help. And um, I think, you know, in this industry, especially, uh, it's a big industry and there's many different branches of, you know, again, design and messaging and marketing and all the things that um, we should all be a very happy family. And we are, we should all be kind of learning from each other because that's really how you grow. It's, it's your specialty, my specialty, all these different specialties. How can we all make ourselves better at what we do? Collaboration. <laughs> Love it. Thanks, Eva. No problem. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Marketing for Designers. This is Masha Cohen signing off. See you next week.